Hey, boys and girls. It's your favorite fat man at the front desk, Jason Modcast founder David K. Montoya, and I interrupt this fantastic, stupendous podcast with these important messages. Starting February 2nd, the Jason Modcast network is going to be black. It's going to be black for the following 27 days. That's right. For the entire month of February, we're going black. Uh, and But we will be back March 1st. Uh, we've got some things that we need to get caught up on, you know, with the holidays behind us now. It's just time to get caught up. And, you know, plus I'm working on this little cartoon thing. It just kind of put a little bit of my attention. Not, not a real big deal. But for an added bonus, though, two shows will continue to go on, even though the rest of the, of the other podcast shows are going to be going black. On Tuesdays, the boys from the Great White North, the movie Madhouse, will continuing to run their regular show and then as an added bonus Fridays you'll get to hear my fat ass talk for a little while as we go and we enjoy the flashback Fridays and then like I said February 2nd to February 28th no added shows that means no scene red no uh, tree frog expose cafe or who's the boss what we think uh, don't get us started. So those shows will be returning. Then on March 1st, which is a Saturday, we start things right back up with what we think. And then from then until next year, we'll be running straight and smooth. So I just wanted to give you folks a heads up. And just to let you know, because we got some time before February 2nd, but I don't want you going to your favorite iTunes or your Stitcher trying to find a new podcast and like what happened so there you go all right that's it from this end this is your favorite fat man at the front desk david k montoya and now enjoy this fantastic jason modcast show and now enjoy this free jason modcast show everybody. I am S. Sadie Burbank. And I am Lacey Montoya. Welcome to Don't, Don't Get Us Started. So here we are in the middle of, not in the middle of, but in the middle of the first month of January 2014. Woohoo! Yay. Okay. Everybody had an awesome new year. Yeah. Me too. Me too. Well, if they didn't, they're not here to hear. <laughs> they're not here to hear us say we're sorry, so... But maybe their loved ones are, so we're sorry. Um, and what else? Uh, so far, it's starting out to be pretty decent for me. I'm happy the holidays are over. I'm ha- oh, I am too. I'm I'm uh, almost done putting everything away. I got the, uh, the gift cards out of the tree. Okay. <laughs> I was ask you yeah, Ernie Ernie put the Christmas tree away. We have a collapsible uh, fake Christmas tree. 
and I had stuck our gifts that we received in the form of gift cards. I had stuck on the tree to, you know, what the hell, got to put them somewhere. Um, and he didn't realize it. And those, and then the candy canes I had stuck on the tree. And he put the tree away and zipped it up. And I'm like, hello, we had a few uh, gift cards there. So we got those out. And yeah, and the candy canes too. And I have a couple of the storage cans that I stored the fudge and cookies and stuff in. I got to clean those up and toss out the old dead fudge unless you guys want to eat it. Because, um, you know, I mean, it's it's good. It's just kind of crunchy now instead of nice and smooth. I, actually, no, you think what I'll do? Make cookies. No, I'm just, it just occurred to me. I think I'll take the nuts off the top because it's just nuts on the top. I think I'll nuke it and see what happens. You know, melt it down a little bit and smooth it out. Maybe that'll, mm. I'll try that. Well, I, nah, I don't make cookies. We're diet, hello, diabetic family. Well, husband, diabetic. Anyhow, um, no, but I could, I could make it be creamy and smooth again for a while. That, I, because I nuked it to start with. That's how I make fudge. So I'm going to try that. Yeah. So anyhow, I have that to do. I have to clean up cans, as it were, and uh, stick them away. And then the boxes that everything is packed in are sitting on the porch waiting for Ernie to get inspired to put them out in the garage okay. on the shelves. And then we're totally done with the holiday season. Yeah, and I'm glad. Guys. Yeah, the toys. The toys that are still left. I... Yeah, I have I have none of that left in the house now. I do have one big open spot on one wall where I had some stuff before the holidays. I had this, it was in the kitchen, dining room area, and I had this sort of, uh, I don't know, thing hanging up there with oddball, old, antique-y uh, kitchen things hanging on it. And, and then some... Um, dried corn flowers and stuff like that on it and when I when I was I started out just gonna I was gonna clean it because it was getting cobwebby you know and and then I took it down and I thought well I'll just take it apart and clean it because it's easier because you can't it's, it was way beyond just dusting and then when I took it all apart I thought why have I had this I've had that thing hanging in my kitchen for I don't even know how many years and it's so nasty looking and I threw away the dead corn flowers that were cobwebby beyond hope and uh and I put the other stuff in a box and so now I have this space there because well okay I filled it I filled it with Christmas shit there and then now that's gone and so I have this big space in the wall so I'm gonna find something to put there I have God knows tons of stuff and just have to dig through it and find It'll something that's appropriate nice and fresh and new something new on the wall yeah hopefully not something that attracts cobwebs so much god cobwebs. up here in the high desert we have yeah tons of dust i know everything's dusty in our house all the time and yeah well and my husband has issues with his uh, nose he's sneezing or coughing or something all the time yeah. it seems and 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 i know it doesn't help to have all the dust especially in the bedroom right. uh but we have this stupid vacuum cleaner that he bought the last one that he bought you know we have a collection of vacuum cleaners none of which actually works very well but um i mean they work they suck the dirt and all that but it's hard to use them right. the one we got now is one of those ball ones yeah. dyson things and and it 
is no shit. Plus, the damn thing is hard for me to maneuver. Now, I grant you I'm not real strong and all that. Uh, but, you know, yeah. supposedly with the ball, it's supposed to be easy. Right. Yeah, it's supposed to steer well. All that. Well, bullshit. Uh, but then on top of it, it has a um, part of the handle comes out and makes this like vacuuming wand thing, which would be fine if it was fucking flexible, but it isn't. I mean, this, what, five feet of it, four and a half feet of it is stiff plastic. Oh. So it doesn't bend, right. you know, and then the last two and a half feet of it is a flexible hose, which it's so stupid. I don't know. The guy that made that it's thing didn't ever, never had to use it. Yeah. Anyhow. Uh, yeah, it is. It's backwards. It's just backwards. So I can't get it in the bedroom. I can't get it apart in the first place. But even if I could get it apart, I can't get in those nooks and crannies with this thing because it's not flexible. Ernie can't hardly do it. And he's strong and, and can do it, you know. But no. So uh we were talking the other day. He says, well, we need to get one of those. There's a little portable electronic vacuum thing. You know, and I said, okay. So he Googled it and it was like, hello, can't, ex can't afford that. It's way expensive. So I said, well, we're just going to have to bite the big weenie and pull the the bed tables out and, you know, do the job, do the job. The two of us together can make it happen because I know that that doesn't help his sneezing. It's not hay fever he has. He just has nasal congestion all the time. Yeah. So, but anyway. Yeah, so cobwebs are a blessing of the desert. So there you go. But other than that, everything is our house is sort of back to whatever normal is. I don't know sure what normal is, but no. Well, there is, but it's so abnormal. <laughs> I mean, really. But my normal to your normal are completely. Oh well, that's true too. But then that's true of everybody. Yeah. Everybody's normal is different from everybody else's. That's what makes life interesting. And then Ernie told me. The, because I sort of pressed him, sort of pressed him on the subject. Uh, he is going. In the corner, he's. I said, "Are you going to retire this year or not?" And he said that he was going to do. He's going to go to per diem. And for those of you who may not know what per diem is, that means that they can call him up and say, "We need a guy to work today or tonight. Do you want to do it?" And I said, "You can do that as long as you don't say yes every time they call you, because it's pretty much like working full time." And he said he wouldn't, and so, and, and I said, so what is it with you? Is it, is it because you don't want to quit working because you're afraid you're going to have a heart attack and die or what? And he goes, no, not really. And I said, good, because you already did that. He had a heart attack and died twice. So, um, I said, no kidding. So he said, no, that wasn't it. It was just that it, I said, it's just hard to let go, huh? And he says, yeah, pretty much, you know, because it's a guy thing, I guess. So, um, I said, okay, I mean, that's, it doesn't matter whether I say okay or not. That's how he's going to handle his retirement. He's going to take it a little bit at a time. And so there you are. So, but I'm excited about that. I'm excited because we'll have more time to do some of the things he's been wanting to do, you know, that he doesn't have time to do right now because he only has two days a week off. And it's, yeah, and it's weekends besides when you can't get anything done because everybody else is trying to do stuff on the weekends too. So it'll be very nice. I'm, I'm excited. And he said it would be, I said, when, you know, and I, he says, well, before summer. 
And I said, I was, I was thinking your birthday would be a good time because that's April, you know. And they, nah, I don't think so. Okay, whatever. Oh, I'm telling you. So, but anyhow, that'll be nice. I'm, so I'm looking forward to that because we'll, well, there's so many, there's so many things in my head. And I know he doesn't, I know he doesn't want to come home and quit working and have a honeydew list waiting. I get that. I totally get that. But there's so many things in my head that are things he wants to do, things he has said he wants to do that I, I don't forget that. He, he forgets it. You know, I told him, I said, you got that freaking van out in the backyard that you keep saying you're going to work on and you never do because you don't have time. Now you'll have time. So now he'll look at it and say, oh, this is a big waste of time. Right. Or he'll fix it. Either way, we're getting rid of the van. Right. You know, and then we have a utility trailer in the backyard that is, it's been sitting in one spot for so long that tires are dead. I mean, practically melted off. Yeah, exactly. And it's getting rusty and everything. And it's got a load in it. It needs to be taken to the dump. But I mean, it's been, well, that's, that's sort of because for a while after we couldn't haul it because the van died, um, he kept putting cuttings and things in there, you know. So now it's just full of cuttings, dead ones, long ago dead cutting. It is, oh, practically. So anyhow, that kind of stuff will get done and I'm, and I'm happy about that. I'm very happy about that. And it'd be just nice to have him around, you know. I, I, he probably doesn't think that. Because that's a girl thing. That's not a guy thing. And I get that. But so I probably, I'm going to try, I did tell him I was excited a couple of times. I said, I'm really excited that you're going to, you know, uh, but I'm going to try not to go, oh, it's going to be so nice to have you home, honey. Because it'll just make him feel whatever men feel when you tell them that. No, no, no. I won't, I won't say anything until after he's changed his status at work. And then, I won't say anything either because I know it's just going to be, yeah, it's, it's odd, but men get pressured by weird shit. I mean, they really, they really do. You know, you tell them things like, I'm so happy that you're here to, to uh, be with me, you know, and that makes them feel pressured. What the fuck is that? You know, I mean, can I tell you that I'm happy you're here? Does that, does that, does that sound like a demand to a guy? Yeah, does that sound like a demand to a guy? When when a guy says to a woman, I'm so happy you're here, that doesn't make a woman feel like, well, shit, I had some stuff I wanted to do, but now he wants me here. No, we don't go there. But men seem to for some fucked up reason. Yeah. 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 Yeah, isn't it nice? Oh, now I have to sit here and hold her hand or something. What? Who said that? Who's thinking? See, they, is, I think a lot of that comes from them feeling like they've got to, like, understand what's going on with this. Give it up, guys. You're never going to get it. Okay. Yeah. You're never, ever going to understand what's going on with women. So That's give it up. Give it up. Well, the close. truth of the matter is we don't know either. No. See, so a lot of times when, when guys think we have an ulterior motive, we don't. We just, we don't have any plans. We don't have any thoughts. We don't have any hopes or desires. It's just, you know. It is what it is. It's just, there we are. And it occurs to us, gee, isn't it cool? He's here. And so, being women, we say stuff like that. Men don't say stuff like no, that. 
Well, it's not that so much. Men just don't say that, you know. And if you say to them, why don't you ever say that you're happy? With, you know, then they go, oh, pressure, you know. And so you don't say that because you can't because you don't want them to feel pressured. Jesus, God forbid that they would feel pressured. Because I went to bingo last week and I'm home. All the time. You're home constantly. Yes. My dog was excited to see me. My husband was excited to see me. Well, the kids were asleep, but I said, what did you miss? And he's like, yes, because I just so used to you being here. Well, I said, well, should I leave more? He's like, no. I, I said something to him about he could go to the gym with us, you know? No, he don't want to do that. Mm, God forbid. And I think, uh, I think it'll be good that we will be going to the gym and everything, because then that'll give him some time at home without me standing around with a checklist going, let's do this or that, you know, when he can actually, because, and, and, and in fairness to him, I kind of bring that on in a way, because, you know, I'll be sitting at the computer doing something, and normally he is too, or we're watching television, and, or something, you know. Well, sometimes he'll just get up and go into the garage. You know, if he doesn't come back after a while, I go out and go, what you doing? But I think that, I think, again, that's pressure, you know. Like, in his mind, he's probably thinking, Jesus, can't I just go out in the fucking garage without you wanting to know what the fuck I'm doing, you know. And, you know, and sometimes he'll be, like, looking for something. You know, and he hates it when I do it, but I always do it anyway. What you looking for? He can't stand that. He wants, he wants to be able to go find it himself, you know. And, and the, that would be okay, except he never can find shit. Because he can't, well, he can't remember what he did with it last. If he could remember what he did with it last, he'd know where it was, because he never puts anything away. So if he did a job with a wrench, and he wants to know the, where the wrench is. My first question is, what'd you do with it last? See, I have you know. memories with David, so I can... Well, both of us have got fucked up memories I, I anymore, so... Yeah, you can remember where it was. Right, right, right. I know. I know, I know. So, it's, it's, it is going to be hard. It's going to be an adjustment, uh, because I know this about him i know this about men i know this about me and women and all of that and he doesn't he doesn't have a clue so i'm gonna it's gonna be my job to restrain restrain myself not to be too happy you're home honey not to be going what are we gonna do today honey uh you know and stuff like that because it'll make him feel pressured and i don't want him to feel pressured you know i don't know why men can't feel pressured women have to feel pressured I have to fucking cook three meals a day. That's pressure. Why, why, you know, and he doesn't come home and say, what's for dinner tonight? I'll give him that. But he does sit on his ass at the table waiting for it, you know, like expecting dinner to be there, you know, and which is the same as saying what's for dinner. You know, he doesn't have a fork, doesn't have his knife and fork in his fist, you know, pounding on the table, but, uh, you know, damn close in some respects. So, yeah, so I, you know, there, there's inequities all all along the way here. So our adjustment to this new time in our life is going to be 
hopefully smooth it'll be a smooth adjustment i think i'm gonna i think i'm gonna just start it out by telling him look this is something we've never done before we're not necessarily going to do it right all the time and you know i give you permission to say this makes yeah this makes me uncomfortable or i don't want you to always do this or whatever and yeah he if if i if i tell him he has permission to to say you know here's here's what i want to do or here's what i don't want to do um you know he'll test it and i have to be very careful then because the minute he does it if i jump on him it's you know we're dead but um i have to i and i'll tell him you know you have to remind me that i said this because i'll forget you know that it's okay but you know if you're not happy with with the way things are going I want you to say, too, because I have told him all of our life together, I have said things like, you know, when I ask an opinion of you, I really want to know what your opinion. I don't yes. want you to tell me what you think I want to hear. Right. I want you to tell me your opinion. Yes, but, you know, men men are such chicken shits. You know, it's like and they're so, yeah. Because if I say the wrong thing, the bitch is going to be on me like, white on rice and, and 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 sometimes yeah that happens but you know the converse is true it happens the other way around too you know he jumps down my throat now and then for stuff so why can't i jump down his throat for stuff that's that's only fair tit for tat so it's going to be an adjustment but i think if we if we try to just be open about it as much as possible well, see, here's the thing. He won't, he won't have an answer to that question. He really won't. Yeah. Well, no, I think I, this is pretty much his doing that he wanted to go to per diem. I didn't push him on that. I just, he knew that I wanted him to retire. Okay. But at the same time, I haven't really said, you know, you really are getting too old to work. You need to retire. I've never done that. I've just said, you know, I'm too old. I'm seven years older than he is. I need him to retire because if we're going to do anything while I'm still functional, he needs to, he needs to retire. Okay. Cause otherwise it ain't going to happen. Yeah. Right. At our age, seven years is a fucking lot of time. Cause if I look at seven years plus what I am now, I'll be 80. And you don't do a hell of a lot when you're 80. Okay. How good you are. You're still not doing a hell of a lot. So I want to be able to enjoy the next few years and do stuff that we can't do now because we don't have time because he's always fucking working. So, but if I were to say to him, what do you want to get out of your retirement? I don't think he'd have much in the way of an answer. Uh, again, that's a kind of a man thing. They're not planners. No, we are. They're, they're not, uh, <sighs> well, and I, I, doubt seriously if most of them sit around and daydream about what they'd rather be doing like women do women women do that we 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 do that that's part of our multitasking activity you know you're changing the diapers cooking spaghetti and daydreaming about what you'd rather be doing Uh, that's just the way women are men i don't think do that i don't i don't think that you know because i'll say i'll say something to him i have in the past i don't anymore but i said you know what you thinking yeah, uh, pressure again. 
Then they have to come up with something. What do I, what, what does she want to think I'm thinking? Let me think. Shall I say I'm thinking about you and me? Shall I say I'm thinking about where I could take you to dinner? Shall I say I'm thinking about what we did the last time that was some, you know, all that crap, you know, and no, it's none of that. I really fucking want to know what you're thinking, but they, they're not, they're not thinking. They're doing. They don't, they're not thinkers. They're doers. Yeah, yeah. So, no, no, no. They're not, they're not. Now, see, my dad used to, in a way, my dad, um, when we'd go on trips, motor, motor trips, because when I was a kid, that's pretty much what you had to do. Um, and we'd go on motor trips here or there. And my dad was a preacher. Okay. So when I, you know, being a kid, I could only handle about 15 minutes of quiet and then I had to open my mouth, right? And so my mother would say, hush, daddy's writing a sermon. And I go, but daddy's driving. And she'd go, but he's mentally writing a sermon. And he would be, he would be down, driving down the road and he'd be thinking out his, what he was going to say in his sermon on Sunday. Well, I understand that because that's sort of the, the thing you do as a writer. You're always, you're, you're always got your current, your current work is always in the back of your head and you're, and you're thinking about it no matter what else you're doing. Um, and, and, and you think, Oh, God, that would be so good in the book. Ooh, I got to write that down, you know, and you could be doing anything. You could be having sex. You could be cooking dinner. You could be driving down the road. You could be shopping, name it, name it, anything. And, and, stuff like that comes to you. But as a general rule, men don't do that. They, they, as a general rule, they're just doing. They're driving or they're walking or they're uh, fixing the plumbing or they're mowing the lawn or whatever. Yeah. Now, sometimes it comes to them because they'll, you know, they mow the lawn and they'll run over a uh, a jackknife that got left in the lawn and they'll go, Oh, that reminds me. I want to go uh-huh. that much thinking they'll do. I give them that, but, but yeah, but for the, for the most part, no, they're not thinking of stuff. So if a woman says to a guy, what you thinking? Pressure. Uh-huh. Okay. Got to have pressure. Got to have come up with an answer. Got to come up with an answer. So I'm going to, uh, you know, for us, the, the, it's always worked best to just put the cards out on the table and say, look, I, this is going to be difficult for me because I'm the planner and I'm the thinker and you abhor that activity, uh, because it puts pressure on you. And I know that. And so we have to come up with a solution to this problem, you know, and then that way, well, in that way, he'll understand that I'm not trying to to put him into a corner. I'm not trying to trick him into any, you know. And I don't know where the fuck they get it, but men think we're always trying to trick him. Yeah. You know, I mean, what is that? Where did you know? I never tricked him in my life. I never tricked that man in my life. Just because I stood in front of him bare ass naked does not mean I tricked him into my bed. I mean, I didn't. I swear I didn't. And but. Yeah. We've been married. It'll be 40 years this year. Yeah, see, yeah. They still think we're trying to trick them. Uh-huh. What? What? I've been pretty, pretty outspoken about what I want to do. I want you to quit work. Uh-huh. I've said it that plainly yes. many times. 
Now that's not trying to trick them, and I haven't, and I haven't said you're not getting any till you do. I haven't said we're gonna, I haven't said you're gonna take me out to eat until you do. I haven't said uh, anything like that. I haven't implied anything like that. Yeah, I haven't even hinted at anything like that. I've never done anything that would make him think that. But somewhere in that guy's head, it's there. It's there. It's there. I've got to quit work. The bitch is not going to let up on this one, you know, and she's going to find a way to make that happen, you know, and I do, I guess. I work on the thing of, you know, 10 years ago, well, shit, 12 years ago, you did, he had heart attacks, two of them, and, and had to be um, resuscitated twice, um, and I do tell him, you know, as far as we know, the stents are holding up and everything's good, but dude... You know, your time's just as limited as mine is. So let's let's have some some fun out of life for a girl or a woman. It isn't fun to get up every morning and go to work. That isn't fun, guys. That isn't fun. Okay, and and it kind of reminds me of when I was a kid and I liked school. Right. You know, and my friends are like, oh, I hate school. I go, I love school. But I didn't love school. I loved the sociability of school, right. you know. And I think that's the way he is at work. Yeah. He likes this, and he likes being dependent on at work. Even though he comes home and bitches about the the women in the hospital, will call him up and they'll say, "Oh, there's something wrong with this fan. I can't turn it on," you know. And he'll go up there and he'll say, "Yeah, he'll look and say, would you know? There's a a thing here that goes in the wall, you know. You think that would help?" Right. Right. He's the man that gets to go and say, "Oh, it's that's okay, honey. I got it. Uh-huh. We'll just plug it in." Uh, right. Yeah. Right. So I suppose it feeds his ego to uh, a large degree. But you know, I'd be willing to feed his ego too. Uh-huh. You know, and I do. I do. He he does stuff around the house that it just is appalling because I mean he has. My mother used to say the man is magic. I, seriously, she had this lamp one time that wouldn't work. And my dad had worked with it and fiddled with it and nothing. And she had she had said, just save it. Next time they're here, Ernie will fix it. Uh-huh. So the next time we oh, were there. No, 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 no. They were very close. Okay, the next time we were there, she brought it out and she gave it to Ernie. She said, can you fix this? And he goes, I don't know. What's wrong with it? She said, it doesn't work. And he goes, yeah, well, I figured that. <laughs> so he took it all apart, put it all back together again, turned it on. She says, there's nothing he can't fix. And and I know how I know what she felt because I feel that way about him, too. There's almost nothing that man can't fix. He just has an innate knack for especially electronic stuff. And most of the time, all he does is take it apart and put it back together again. But somehow in doing that, it... It makes it better. I don't know how. It's magic. And so, and I, and I tell him that frequently. And I do. I praise everything he does. I try in a non-demanding, I'm going to expect you to do it next time this way too way. I say things like, oh my God, the Christmas lights are so pretty this year. The way you put them up on the, because they are, for one thing. Because I didn't have to do it for another, and because he did do it for another, and I want him to f- to feel appreciated. 
And I, you know, and and he doesn't have to. He's Buddhist. He doesn't necessarily celebrate all that much of Christmas. Yes, he does the presents and the tree and all that kind of stuff. But for the most part, we never did Christmas again. It wouldn't break his heart. So he does it for me. So since he does it for me, I like to do it. Yeah. 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 He's. Yes, I did. I did. I did. Yeah. And, but he, he's, he is very thoughtful that way. He's all, I mean, we got a catalog in the mail. Yeah. Oh, there's a shocker. Anybody not, anybody not getting 14 pounds of catalogs in the mail since the October? Uh, we're still getting them. Uh, anyhow, this one had this, this little set of little plastic stamper things. They're pre-inked, you know, and they have like little designs, hearts and, puppy dogs and crap like that. And there's like, I don't know, a hundred pieces in the set or something for nothing. You know, it's real cheap. Uh, and I saw it and I thought, first I thought of Zoe and I thought, now nah, she'll just, <laughs> you'll have them all over your walls. Uh, and then he looked at it and thought of the little girl across the street. And I, and I said, yeah, that would be good. He thinks of stuff like, he thinks of things like that. He's, he does. He always thinks about the kids and, and what can we get them. And, and he's very, very generous spirit. Very, very generous. And, and he, so it's nice that, that all that kind of stuff is nice. And I try when I can to let him know it's appreciated. I appreciate his personality. And I tell him this in many ways. Yeah. He, he really, he really does. He's a good guy. He's a good guy. Yeah, he's 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 friendly. Yeah, he and and it's funny because when I first met him, he was very shy, very withdrawn. He is Japanese American. For those of our listeners who may not have known that from anything I've ever said in the past, I am not. I'm a I'm a <laughs> I'm a wasp, white Anglo-Saxon Protestant. Um, and when I first met him, we worked at the same company. Uh, he was very shy and would say hello, yeah, but only if you said hello. He wouldn't, he, wasn't he was not overt at all. And <clears throat> we were, happened to be sitting in the lunchroom at the same time. And um, I think we were the only two people in the lunchroom. And he was peeling uh, what we, what is called a kaki, which is the Japanese word for the fuyu persimmon. The fuyu persimmon is the flat round one as opposed to the globe shaped oh, I, one. I've right. Before. And the globe shaped ones are the ones you eat when they're soft and mushy. Okay. The fuyus are, you eat them when they're crisp okay. and, and barely, yeah, barely ripe. They're good when they're soft, but not as good as when they're crisp. You eat them kind of like an apple, but you peel them first, okay. usually. Anyhow. Um, I don't know. We just, he always peeled them, but, uh, lately he's been eating them, um, unpeeled too. So I don't know. It's, it's a habit thing. Oh, yeah. He eats all his fruit way earlier than it should be as far as I'm concerned. (laughs) And then he wonders why he gets, yeah, then, then he wonders why he's, uh, 
in the bathroom a lot <laughs> after that. But anyway, um, so he's he was uh, cutting and preparing this fuyu persimmon to eat, or this kaki. And I said, oh, what's that? I didn't, had no clue. I, you know, new to me. I'm curious. And he said, it's a kaki. It's a kind of a persimmon. It's actually dad had um, a couple of trees in their backyard, so he grew them. And I said, yeah. And so I said, that's weird because the only ones I know about are, and he goes, yeah, the soft, squishy ones. And I go, yeah. And he says, that's a different one. And uh, he said, would you like a bite? You know, I said, oh, yeah. And I tasted it, and I loved them, of course, because they're really good. Um, and so that was kind of how we met right. in terms of speaking to one another. And then over the course of a very few days or weeks, um, excuse me, I moved into a new apartment, which I wound up having to share with a woman that was um, made available to me as a roommate by the apartment managers. That was one of the things they did. It was a big complex, and they had lots of people who wanted to share apartments but didn't know anybody, and so they would keep track of all those people, and when they saw two that might work together, they'd put them together if they chose to. <laughs> yeah. No, if they chose to. They. Right. She, she said, I've, I've got this woman that wants to share an apartment. Do you want to meet her? You know, and so I did, and so we said, yeah, that'll work, and so we shared an apartment. So I mentioned to him one time that I finally got a new apartment, because I had told him I was staying with a friend who happened to be a guy, but anyway. Um, and so I said one time, I said, would you like to come over and meet my roommate and see my apartment? And he said, yeah. And I thought, okay, cool. Because, you know, he always struck me as, as because, I don't know if it was because he was quiet or what, but there was something about him that's, that struck me. I've always been interested in somebody who didn't want to uh, talk about themselves all the time. Right. You know, because the guy that comes up and goes, I'm hot. Don't you think I'm hot? Wouldn't you like to come to bed with, you know, no, yeah, go hot. away, go away. Uh, but Ernie was, you know, well, I wasn't necessarily mysterious, but I just wanted to know him more. Right. He seemed like a really nice guy. And if nice people, guys or women, are hard to come by, right. you know. So I wanted to get to know him. So I invited him, and he said, yeah. And I said, would you like to come and for dinner? No. No, I wasn't. No. I said, would you like to come for dinner? And he goes, yeah, sure. So I didn't know what he ate, you know. And... You know, uh, and, and that doesn't have anything to do with him, his being uh, Japanese-American or not. It's just I didn't know what he ate. So I fixed a lot of little, these days they'd call them tapas, but little uh, finger foods and things like that. So I figured if he didn't like this, he could eat that. Yeah, a little of this, a little of that. And I made, among the things I made was I just rolled up some hamburger into little tiny meatballs and fried them up and then put soy sauce there with toothpicks to dim and he liked that and i don't remember what else but i remember the the meatballs with toothpicks he remembers that too anyhow he arrived at the appointed time could be could be he arrived at the appointed time uh i showed him the apartment introduced him to patricia and um we sat down on the couch because I had the food spread out on the coffee table. 
And he sat, like I am sitting here on the end of the couch here, and at the edge of the couch, very much in a spring-forward mode, if need be. I'm out the door and I'm out the door in no time if I have to. And uh, enjoyed the little food treats and whatnot. And I don't remember what we drank. It doesn't matter. I don't think it was alcoholic even. It was probably just Cokes or something. And um, then he left at promptly at 9 o'clock, so two hours, and for the whole thing, you know, meet Patricia, see the apartment, eat the snacks, and go. And I thought, okay, well, that was nice. I got to know him a little bit. I'll probably never see him again because he didn't really talk as much as I wanted him to. I did find out he lived with his folks. I found out he had graduated from college. I found out his brother was two years younger than he was. Um, and he had just gotten out of college. He was 25 when I met him. Uh, he had just gotten out of college and hadn't yet decided, you know, yeah, he was at this point in time, he was pretty much just working and saving the money because he didn't have a need to do anything else. You know, it was not unheard of for young men to stay at home with their folks. You know, it was a good, cheap way to live and make some buckage. And in Silicon Valley, which this was, that was not a bad idea because even then rents were not cheap. And now a word from our sponsors. Before 1971, a young S. Sadie Burbank could only imagine a simple American life as a loving wife and mother. That was her goal when she first married in 1959 at the age of 18. But with the wild social revolution of the 1960s, Burbank's idea of a perfect life would quickly change as she left behind her family to begin a new existence of her own. Her journey would find her on a plane headed toward her new lover, Steve, who was halfway across the world, waiting her arrival in a small bush camp in the country of Liberia. Once there, Sadie is greeted with a fascinating, strange world and plunges herself into the exotic land of the bush. But less than six months later, Sadie would realize all was not as it seemed, and Steve was not the man she fell in love with. Burbank found herself desperately seeking escape from the camp and her lover as she raced back to Roberts Field Airport, literally running for her life. Based on an unbelievably true story by S. Sadie Burbank, Red Hills, Green Vines, and Dried Monkey Meat for Dinner is a manuscript of Burbank's adventurous and deadly experience during a time filled with sex, drugs, and murder. Now available in paperback and hardback. For more information, log into www.redhills.us. Are you looking for a new book, comic, or apparel from your favorite MythWorks or independent creators? Then you're in the right place. Introducing the all-new redesigned MythMart store. Now bigger, badder, better. Sign up and become a member and receive 10 to 50% off on selected items. Get the all-new Terry D. Shearer's Bloody Hell t-shirt or non-members can pick up one of our e-books for only $4.95. Or go into the past and relive the 90s with MythWorks Comics Classics for $3.99. The new MythMart. Bigger, badder, better. Visit MythMart at www.mythworks.com slash MythMart. 
or find us on Facebook for extra savings. Do you own a business or have an item you want to sling? Do you want a chance to reach potential customers? Do you want to make some extra cash? Then here's your chance. For $50, you can have a one to two minute commercial featured on each of our shows for an entire month. With six shows a week, that's only $2.09 per podcast. Plus, for an extra $10, your item will be placed into MythMart. So sit back and relax as they handle all stages of transactions. Contact our ad department at info at jazelmon.com. Anyhow, um, so I figured, okay, you know, phase one. Well, yeah, right. And so he called me the next day and wanted to know if I wanted to go to a movie that night with him. And that was like a Saturday night because I think it was Friday night that I had him over to the apartment. And I said, sure, why not? You know, I, I really don't. And it's odd because I do remember the first uh, movie that my first husband and I went to see on our first date was Boy on a Dolphin. Yeah, I know. Every time I see that movie in the TV guide now, I go, oh, I don't want to go there. But uh, I don't remember what movie we saw. It may have been, but I don't think he, I don't think he started taking me to Japanese movies until we were a thing. Um, but whatever it was, we went and saw it. Um, and then from that time forward, he hadn't booked. I was, I was booked. You know, it was the next night, and the next night, and the next night, and the next night, and the next night. Oh, it was a while after that, actually. I th think, I'm trying to remember if it was before she accused me of being a hoe <laughs> and taking her baby out of their lives, or if it was after that. I can't remember now, uh, but it wasn't too long before I met them and you know they were uh, they were civil they were polite we ate they made food and we ate or they brought food in I don't remember now which and uh, we you know spent a very uncomfortable uh, time you know just sort of sitting around I think the television probably was on you know for a lot of people use that as a buffer you know and, um, you know, and then that kind of went away. The thing is, I was divorced. I was white. And they never knew it from us. But I also had two kids. Um, so, you know, we figured the, the divorced white broad was enough. Let's not throw the kids into the mix, too. So we never did, uh, ever, actually. They died not knowing from us that I had children. We believe that aunt and uncle, auntie and uncle, um, which would have been, I think that was daddy's sister and her husband, uh, we think they told him because they knew, because they had a son who married a Hakujin. Hakujin is um, a, a racial outsider. Okay, I was Hakujin. Um, 
They had a son who also married a white girl. She didn't happen to be a divorcee with kids, but, you know. Uh, so they were kind of over that hump a little. And so, yeah, so they were sort of a buffer with Ernie's folks about me, you know. And so somewhere along the line, we think they may have said something to them about my kids. And and Ernie thinks so because of something I guess his dad or his mom may have said at one point or other. But it was never something that was openly discussed. They never met my children. Nothing. Because my children didn't live with me. My children lived with their father. So and that made it extremely easy. I sort of forgot to mention that part. Anyhow, um, so, we, you know, he had me booked from then on. And, uh, you know, one thing led to another. The company that we both worked for had an anti-fraternization rule which meant you could you could mess around with anybody you wanted as long as they didn't work there uh and so we had to keep it on the on the on the low down or the down low uh, um and then we went on a vacation now by this time we're living together okay okay uh yeah we're gone i moved out of that apartment he and i got an apartment and we went on a on a trip to arizona oh my yes oh yeah oh yeah oh they were they were pissed off when he was just spending the night let alone when we lived together yeah she literally called me up one night and said you want to talk to him I mean, it was, I don't know, two in the morning or something like that. We we're sound asleep, you know, and I told him, I said, your mom's on the phone. She wants to talk to you. He says, I don't want to talk to her. So I told her, I'm sorry. He doesn't want to talk to you. That's when I got the, the tirade. All in, in irate Japanese mama. Mama bear come out. Yeah. And she, she knew, she didn't speak a lot of English, but she knew how to say horror. And I got that one two or three times that night. Uh, and I just told her, I'm sorry you feel that way. Yeah. Uh, and so then that went, and so we didn't talk for a long time, of course, after that. Well, anyhow, that may have been the kicker that put him over, over the edge and moved, moved, got us moving into an apartment and stuff. I don't remember. That's 40 years ago, for God's right, sake. Right. Anyway, um, so we had our apartment. We went and had to go on this trip because his cousin, the one who had married the, the white girl, was in the Air Force, and he was stationed at White Sands. And there was a car. I don't know if it was aunt and uncle's car or what, uh, and Jimmy needed it, the cousin. He needed the car. And so they either asked us to or Ernie volunteered, and our job was we were going to drive the car to White Sands. And then I don't remember how the hell we got home, to be very honest with you. I don't remember. But the, we took the car there for him and left it there and when we got back to from our vacation and back to work they had replaced my job by taking the work i did and spreading it out amongst the current employees and then i no longer was needed and so i got laid off so because the anti-fraternization rule was no longer in effect we went to reno and got married big deal uh and and we talk about that from time to time uh, over the years have talked about who
whose idea was it that we get married? Neither one of us can remember. Whether it was his suggestion or mine or both of us, you know, it was like, oh, cool. Well, we don't have to hide anymore, you know. Not that we were doing all that good a job of hiding. I mean, the the boss's son knew, uh, you know. I mean, they were good friends, you know, so naturally he knew. But uh, it was just one of those things, as long as you weren't overt about the whole thing, it was okay. Anyhow, so we got married. Yeah, yeah, forty years. Yeah, well, he's he's a good man. You don't, you know, you don't throw that away. When when you get a good one, you you want to keep it, you know. And so, yes, I've made a lot of mistakes since then. Uh, things I've done that I'm not proud of. Things I've done that uh, I wouldn't tell him I've done. But um, for the most part, you know, I've had god-given sense to realize that you know the smartest thing i ever did was marry that man and if i had any sense at all left i would do everything i could to make him happy that he married me and so i've kind of tried to do that most of my our married life together certainly in the last 20 years and so it's just been um a good a good relationship you know so now how the hell we got on that from where the hell we were i don't oh we were talking about men and how they can be <laughs> yeah and and the retirement thing is going to be tricky it's it's going to be yeah but i i really believe that we're capable of making our decisions for ourselves about how we want to go about it you know and yeah and i think yeah, like you said, if we if we just say, look, here's, you know, here's what I, here's what I'm afraid about, you know, what are you worried about, and you know, and that's a hard one too. Again, it's all about pressure. Men feel such pressure when they, you know, all you have to do is say, I want to talk to you, and right away they just have panic attacks. I mean, they do. It's just insane. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, I and I try not to say that in the first place. Like the other day when I asked him when he was going to retire, I didn't say, listen, I want to ask, I just said, when are you going to retire? Because I figured, you know, just strip it all down, go go for the straight question. And, and so I think that's kind of the way I'll try to do it with this, too, because, you know, I hate having, you know, it's like I have to walk on, 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 broken glass eggshells sometimes and tiptoe around you know not to say the wrong thing and jesus after 40 years you wouldn't think you'd have to do that but you do you do because you know it's real hard you and i've talked about this before it's extremely hard living with another human being i don't care what age they are i don't care what the relationship is i don't care if you're married or if you're brother and sister if you're mother and son father and daughter, cousins, strangers, I don't care who, what the relationship is, it's very hard to live with another human. Oh, yeah, a lot. And what's worse, especially with guys, they won't tell you that they did. They just, they pack it away somewhere in their little... Yeah, they pack it away somewhere in their little suitcase of things never to let happen again, you know. Yeah, don't don't say this to her because this happens, or don't do that because that happens, you know. And it's like, 
you know, at times you, you want to say, what's the worst that can happen? I might yell at you. I'm not going to walk out. I'm here 40 years. You think I'm going to walk now? Are you kidding? I, where can I find a man that's willing to listen to me groan all night long? Where can I find a man who's willing to listen to me get up off the chair at the kitchen table going, uh, uh, where am I going to find that? It doesn't exist. That man does it. He doesn't even hear it. Because I have said to him sometimes, I'm sorry. I hate to be a groaner because I have fibromyalgia, as you know. I have uh, really bad fibro, especially in the wintertime. And I have other aches and pains from knees and things like that. And and I'm in pretty much constant pain. And, and as you get older and less mobile when you do move it hurts and you, and those grunts and groans just kind of come out involuntarily no you just yeah and you just and don't i know it hurts and and you, you grunt and groan before it comes out. i know i do it when i do it when i'm alone mm-hmm. the same th- i do the, i make the same noises when i'm alone in the house as i do when he's yes, there and and so to find a man who's willing to not hear that is priceless. It's priceless. All my listeners out there, if you got a mate, I don't care, husband, wife, whatever, that won't make you feel bad because you groan or fart or <laughs> or swear or whatever if you have a a live in mate okay person who tolerates more than tolerates ignores in a in a good way in a healthy way doesn't hear those moans and groans and whatnot then bust your ass bust your ass to hang on to that person because they are few and far between and that's a fact Well, and, you know, it's, it's like when you get married, you know, you go through that, you know, for better or for worse in sickness and in health, you know, richer or poorer and all that shit. It's like he really meant that, you know, because it hasn't all been a picnic with me. I am not the easiest person in the world to live with. I know that. I admit that freely. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I know, I know what you mean. I know what you mean exactly. So, you know, to have somebody who sticks by you for better or for worse in sickness and in health, forsaking all others for crying out loud, uh, damn. That's a keeper. Yeah. So there you go. That's my little love story. And it's not even Valentine's Day. This would have been a great Valentine's show, wouldn't it? Well, we can do yours on Valentine's Day, and you can tell us all about all the reasons that your husband is wonderful. And he is. I, I've seen him in action, and he is uh, hes a good one. Yeah, he is a good one. Well, then we ought to, probably. Are, how, how ready are we getting to wrap it up? We do have one segment there where Jay came in. We're going to have to have cut. That was only about 15 seconds or so. Five minutes. Okay. Well, that's cool. We can come up with five minutes worth of stuff. We were talking about 
were we talking about sex earlier and we said yeah. we should be talking about that yeah. on our podcast? What yeah. were we talking about? Oh yeah. Oh, it, with child. When when did when did when did they start saying she's with child? You were saying and I and that one's an old one. That's that like I said that goes back probably to biblical times or or beyond because there was um there were for for centuries there has been this um I don't want to say unspoken because it's not really necessarily unspoken, but there's been this taboo right. about s- discussing openly pregnancy because pregnancy, everybody knows how you get pregnant. Okay. If you don't Google it. <laughs> um, and, and when, yeah. And when you talk about getting or having been or being pregnant in some people's minds, that's, the same as discussing the act of getting pregnant. Okay. Uh, and, and this is, this is exclusive of, um, clinical assistance. Okay. The old fashioned way, as we would say. Uh, and because of the taboos regarding sexual intercourse, um, it wasn't discussed. And the, and the funny thing is, everybody was doing it. Okay. Everybody was doing it within and without the confines of their, uh, appropriate relationships. Okay. But, uh, it was one of those things where they thought, I guess if they thought they didn't talk about it, it was like the elephant in the room. You know, if you don't talk about him, he's not there. And, uh, and so for, for centuries to say a woman was with child, imbued her with um you know almost virgin like qualities right. you know it wasn't she got laid and look what happened it was she has all of a sudden become with child you know like a virgin birth or some shit you know and and so and that worked for everybody for a long 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 time and then they they stopped saying with child and they would say things like she's expecting um, or they are expecting. It, 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 for a long time, it wasn't they; it was her. Okay, you know, because it was the well. But see, but they they didn't they didn't want to recognize that. You got to remember that our society as humans has been patriarchal for thousands of years. Okay, and that's not just in the white folks department. That's all over the world. People, the men have been driving the machine for centuries thousands and thousands of years and so they got to call the shots you know so it wasn't they who were expecting it was she who had gotten pregnant okay yeah (laughs) well and and if the and the child wasn't a boy it was her fault and if she gave the husband a son she gave him a son she was exalted for having given him a son because you know girls were useless Right. It was just the boys that counted for a long time. It's like, you know, oh, Christ, it's another kitten. We're going to have to stick in a gunny sack and throw in the river. That kind of thing, you know. So, but anyhow, they got to a point where they would say they are expecting. And then sometimes they would say cute little things like a a, a little stranger. And these days, some women refer to having their periods as 
being visited by a little stranger. But, uh, in fact, they would, they would say that they're expecting a, a little stranger, you know, or a gift from heaven or a blessed event or anything they could think of that was, um, euphemistic for she's pregnant. Okay. Um, uh, because they, again, they just could not, they could, yeah, a little bundle of joy. Ha, huh? there's a joke in a hand. <laughs> <laughs> I love my sons. Honest to God, I do. Um, there's, yeah, there's, there's something about that. There was something about that. They just couldn't bring themselves to say, you know, now, um, Jesus, it's so different. I mean, I feel like, you know, years ago, my dad used to say, I remember when they didn't have radio, you know, and, and I mean, I, I remember when, uh, sex was a taboo topic. I didn't get sex education in whatever could be considered now the normal way. I, I got it like the rest of my friends from my friends or from doing, you know, doing is learning. Um, but these days, people, especially the celebrities, you know, it's like, they, uh, I don't know. I don't want to get, I don't want to get nailed for being a prude or anything like that, but uh, the last thing people do is, is get married. You know, it's like have six or seven kids. And, and I, and listen, I didn't get married. We lived together for two or three years before we got married too. I get that. And I think that's a good idea, by the way. I am a huge proponent of premarital living together. Yeah. I'm a huge proponent of, of premarital living together because that, like I said before, it's a hard thing to do to live with somebody. You need to make damn sure you can live with that person before you marry them. And make that commitment. But in any case, um, it's, it's like everything is sort of different now in terms of people's understanding. Right. Yeah. And, then they get divorced. and yeah. And then they're married and then they're divorced and more kids with somebody else and then, yeah. and on and on, you know, and it's not uncommon for, uh, large families of three and four children to have three and four dads. Uh-huh. Uh, and that's in the celebrity world or not, you know, pretty much. And that's okay. I mean, little youngsters understand the birds and the bees these days, which may or may not be a good idea. Time will tell. I don't know whether it's necessarily a good idea. I, I think it's important. I think it's important that once you can, you should know. I really do. The thing is, uh, with the advent of movies, television, and other media, kids, uh, kids, women, young women especially are growing up a lot faster than they did in my day. And so they can a lot sooner, which means they really should know a lot sooner because you want them to know what they're getting into so they don't get into it. That's the theory. And then the other side of that coin is, well, if you tell them, you know, then they'll know and then they'll go or do it. If you get them on birth control, you're giving them permission to go yeah. Yeah, well, they're going to have sex anyhow. So you may as well make damn sure it doesn't produce anything you don't want to have to take care of the rest of your life because the chances are good you're going to have to. So anyhow, there's a whole century of arguments in in that regard. But suffice it to say, for purposes of the discussion we were having in terms of the social acceptance of being pregnant. I mean, when I was pregnant, we wore smocks that were 
baggy and covered up, sort of, so to speak, the bump. Now they wear knit tops that that clearly show the bump because they just want to walk around with their bellies hanging out, which to me would be uncomfortable. I've never been uncomfortable. I'm a big girl anyhow. I have a big belly. I don't necessarily want it hanging out. And I sure, well, I did when I was pregnant. Yeah, I found out I was pregnant. I went, oh, look at my belly. But at the same time, I put on a smock and politely covered it up because that was a polite thing to do in those days. These days, it's not considered a matter of politeness. It's just the way they are. It's like a badge of honor. It's a badge of honor, yeah, to to be pregnant. And uh, whether you're in a position to really take care of the kid, provide for the kid, all that kind of stuff is beside the point. You manage to successfully impregnate yourself, and, and so let's let everybody in the whole world see it. Yeah, and that's kind of uh, where they come from, and that's okay. That's that's yeah, that's what's going on now, and who knows what'll be going on in in another twenty or thirty years? It'll it'll yeah, you you're gonna have to know because you're gonna have a twenty two year old. Yeah, it probably will because they tend to do that. Kids these days don't do as much uh, of the kinds of bad things that we used to do. Uh, they've got their own bad things they do now. They're far more into drugs than we ever were, but they're sort of anti-alcohol, so it's kind of strange. You know, they don't want you to smoke unless it's dope, you know, that sort of thing. So everybody's got their own cross to bear in life, and that's theirs. I'm I'm just glad I'm not a kid. I, it, it, I'm, I'm glad I don't have youngsters at this point in time because there's so much more... Uh, out there that they can get into trouble with. Then I mean, when I was a kid, huh? Yeah, exactly. Just just getting to school is is a a dangerous thing sometimes. And when I was a kid, the worst thing you could do is get drunk or get pregnant. That was it. You know, or get attacked. There were attackers out there, but few and far between. Few and far between in my world, anyway. You know, I lived a. A comfortable life. Uh, we weren't rich by any stretch. We were actually poor, but we lived in in a clean neighborhood. So, anyway, uh, that's kind of how we got onto that topic. So, yeah. Well, anyway, I don't even know what David's going to call this this program when he when he gets when he gets around to talking about what, or listening to it, and then trying to put a title on it. It'll be interesting. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what he (laughs) has to say about it. But anyhow, um, if anybody wants to, we'd love to hear from you. You can send us email at, uh, here we go again, jazelmon.com forward slash jazelmodcast, or you can go to our website at jazelmon.com and click on don't get us started and click on the comment section and it takes you directly to the email where you can send us your thoughts about our show. Yes. If you do and you don't tell us that you don't want them read, we will read your emails on air and otherwise discuss them. Stated. Huh? Otherwise stated. Um, yeah, unless otherwise stated, we will do that. Um, we'd love to hear from you, what you think, what you don't think, what you like, what you don't like, what you'd like to hear us talk about, if anything in particular, um, or what you don't want to hear us talk about, 
uh, or anything. And so other than that, I don't have anything more to add. Do you? Okay, well then, I am S. Sadie Burbank. And I am Lacey Montoya. And we're just saying, don't Don't get get us started.